God in heaven. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Please be seated in God's awesome presence. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want us to quickly open our Bibles this morning. We are reading from the book of Romans chapter 8. We are starting from verses 1 to 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Verse 5, for to those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against god for it is not subject to the law of god nor indeed can be so then those who are in the flesh cannot what please god hallelujah those who are in the flesh cannot please God. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. The title of my sermon this morning is Rest in Righteousness. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay. Yeah. So from the anchor text we read from the beginning, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not work according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. You know, when I began to read this scripture, anybody that will see therefore, that simply means that a conversation already existed. Praise God. In other words, what was Paul trying to capture by him saying, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. And we'll go quickly to the book of Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 from verses 14 to 25. To begin to understand, even as we begin to look at the subject, resting in righteousness. Hallelujah. Praise God. And here, Apostle Paul began to say, Romans chapter 7 from verses 14 to 25. And he says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. Praise God. Okay, but now it is no longer I who do it, but what? Sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For what good, for the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil, the but the evil will. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. If 
I find then a law that is evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, for who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And so you begin to see here that Paul was beginning to give us an image because the reality of it is we cannot talk about righteousness without looking into the subject of the law. Hallelujah. We cannot talk about righteousness and not look at the flesh. Meaning because the reason why we are looking at into this is because we see what Paul was saying here. That I find the things that I will to do, I do not do them. But the things that I do not want to do are those things that I find myself doing. Now look at what he says in that verse 22. He says, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members. Warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into ca captivity to the law which is in my members. You see, how many times have we told God, I would not do this, and next thing you find yourself doing it? Praise the Lord. Now you begin to understand that the reason why this exists is as a result of the sinful nature of man. You know, Paul was saying that before the law existed, there was no sin. Praise God. But the moment the law came into existence, that was when sin began to exist. Because the Bible said that what? Where there is no law, there is no sin. And that is why, for instance, you would tell a little child, don't touch this. The moment you said don't touch, the temptation to touch starts. Praise God. But that particular thing was already there from the beginning. They took no notice of it. But as a result of the evil nature of inherent in us we were nature by nature at the fall of adam by nature we became disobedient the bible says in the book of ephesians chapter 2 that we who were of the sons of obedience were subject to death praise the lord we're looking at righteousness why is righteousness relevant for rest and here paul was saying that who would deliver me from this sinful nature and he began to say that the only way through redemption could have come is by through nobody else but Christ. And he began to say that there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, praise God, who do no longer walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Praise God. For those of us who are joining us for the very first time, for those who are watching online, in the month of June, we began to look at the subject of rest. What does it mean to really rest? And I remember saying that according to the book of John 19, that rest in this, in this rest here was looking at the finished work of Christ. Because on the cross of Calvary, Jesus said that after this, Jesus, knowing that all the things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Now a vessel, and it carries on and on for, for the sake of time. He says what? That knowing that all things were now accomplished. In other words, when we're looking at the story of rest, we're saying here that rest is the ability to walk in the finished work of Christ. Praise God. 
Psalm 62 verse 1 says that my soul finds rest in God alone. In other words, the essence of rest is that I begin to walk in the reality. I no longer begin to strive of the things that I want to do to please God. Rather, I just focus my mind on the things that Christ has obtained for me. Because only then am I truly able to walk in rest. Praise God. And so we're looking at now rest in righteousness. What does righteousness simply mean? Praise God. What does righteousness mean? Because if we're going to walk in the finished work of Christ, then we must understand the subject of righteousness. And here the dictionary says that righteousness is a behavior that is morally right. Good, justifiable, especially according to religion. But you see, I was reading a book of recent by um, E.W. Kenyon. And it was talking about the two types of righteousness or the two kinds of righteousness. And it says that righteousness is the ability to stand before the Father's presence as though sin had never been as free as Adam was before he transgressed. Remember, I said that if you want to find the solution to a problem, you must first of all ask yourself, how was it originally designed? And the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis that when God created man, when you read Genesis 3 verse 8, it says that God came in the garden in the cool of the evening to fellowship with man. Praise God. In other words, Adam no longer had no issue about condemnation or whatever it is. He just enjoyed fellowship. Praise God. But the moment Adam sinned in that same generation, a three, the Bible said that, and God called Adam, Adam, where are you? And he said, I've hidden myself because, what? Of sin. Praise God. And the Bible said that what, what has separated us from the love of God, if not for what? Our sinful nature. Praise God. And so you are understanding that righteousness is relevant for us. If we are truly going to enjoy the finished work of Christ, then we must fully understand what it is to be righteous. Praise God. What it is to be righteous. And the author of the book is now saying that righteousness is your ability to stand before God as though you have never sinned before. Meanwhile, the Bible says that what? You are a sinner by nature. Praise God. Now, can you imagine, you see, can you imagine that it's just like my children. One of them that tempts me the most is my daughter you know she she really knows how to play that daddy's girl card she will annoy me fully well but she is confident that i cannot do anything praise god she fully understands you know god speaks to us which through children sometimes and the confidence that she has and i'm wondering aren't you scared that i'm going to discipline you for what you've just done but she just keeps smiling as though she did nothing praise god and you know and if she wants to even douse it the more she say oh you know i love you daddy and all of a sudden every element of anger in me disappears i'm a, I'm a wife who said that you know only god knows what the girl has done to you praise god but that is the beauty of understanding who she is who the role that i play in her life Praise the Lord. 
Hallelujah. Okay? And so why are we looking at the need for righteousness? Why do we, why do we need to understand the need for righteousness? Romans chapter 5 from verses 12, it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all have sinned. Praise God. All have sinned. I remember I said it here that, you know, I was speaking to a colleague of mine at work. And I began to talk to her about Christ. And she said, oh, you know, when all this is over and I die, I believe I'm going to make heaven. And I said, why do you say so? She said, because I believe I'm good. I obey my parents. I do everything right. And so for that reason, after all, if it was based on my works, based on the works of the flesh, I think I tick all the boxes. Just like the young rich man who came to Jesus and said, that, what commandment do I need to obey to have eternal life? He said that you must do what? Obey all the commandments. He said, no, which of them? After all, you know, I don't lie, I don't cheat, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't fornicate. And it says, oh wow, you have done all this except one thing that is missing. And it says, go and sell all you have and follow me. And the man left knowing that what? He had great possession. In other words, he had tried to keep everything but yet he found himself still wanting. Praise God. You see, I grew up a Catholic. And one of the greatest challenges, I, I remember that image in my mind, you know, one of the experiences of Catholicism is that you have to go through something called catechism. And the essence of catechism is to put you through the rudiments or the doctrines of the Catholic Church. And one of them is that, number one, that you must keep the Ten Commandments. Praise God. And so from a young age, I knew the Ten Commandments. Don't lie. And so every day I'll, I'll wake up, okay? Number one, I must honor the Lord my God, okay? I do that. I, I said my prayer this morning. Number two, I must honor my father and my mother. I have not disobeyed them. I must not have any God other than God. All of a sudden, I find my... When I was much younger, I used to lie. My goodness. You know? <laughs> Thank God for Jesus. You see, my dad was so upset with me. And, and then, you know, I used to wear this thing called scapula. I don't know how, how many of us will know it anyways, but um, it will have the image of Virgin Mary on your neck and all those things. And there was this particular that I lied and my mom got so upset. She just turned out of my neck that you cannot be wearing this and be lying. And the myth then was that it will burn your chest if you lie. Praise God. But as a small child, you know, what do we know? Praise God. But what I'm trying to say here is the fact that I tried everything but I realized that I would always fall short in either one. Pray, it became frustrating. I'm like, if this is what salvation is all about, you know what? Who can even keep this law? That's what Paul was saying, that who can deliver me from this sinful flesh? I have tried everything. The Bible says don't lie, don't cheat, don't smoke, don't drink. But all of a sudden, even if I don't do all these things, I remember then my teacher would say, you know what? Even if you think an evil thought in your heart, that one just crippled me. Because the reality of it is, I can do everything I can. Nobody is seeing anything but the things in my mind. You can even insult me in my mind, I'm abusing you. And the Bible is saying that what? I have what? Failed. Praise God. And so you realize that if this was what all Christianity was all about, then how can I rest? I can never rest because it's almost like a struggle. But the reality of it is that our relationship with Christ or his invitation to walk with him is not one that involves us walking on eggshells. There are many of us who have friends. It's almost like as if we're walking on eggshells with them. 
You're mindful of the things that you say so that at least you don't cause offense. Every small thing, you're just adjusting yourself. Oh, let me just hope I don't even offend them. Or, and next month, oh, are you angry? Oh, no, I'm not angry. It becomes so stressful. And now imagine if you're going to live 100 years and you're only just 18. Then you're wondering, if this is the case, let Jesus Christ just come now. Let, me just, let it just end. Praise God. But you realize that that's not the nature of our Christian relationship. Praise the Lord. And so Paul was saying here that for until the laws, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Praise God. He said, nevertheless, death reigned through from Adam to Moses, and even those, and over the, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgressions of Adam. Could you imagine? You have not even told a lie. A child that is born has not done anything. The Bible still says that you are a sinner. Praise God. And so when you understand when David was saying that in sin did my mother conceive me, praise God, is that understanding that although, rightly speaking, I did nothing, but the Bible said that what? You have still sinned. Why? Because it's inherent in our nature. Man was in need of redemption. Praise God. And it said that here that who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died. It says much more the grace of God and what? The gift by the grace of God one man, Jesus, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in what? Condemnation. In other words, man was separated from God. We had no element of fellowship. And so the devil was having a field day all over humanity. And it says, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. Praise God. For if by one man's offense, death reigned through one, it says much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will what? Reign in life through one, Jesus Christ. In other words, if the Bible is saying that you and I are going to reign, if I say here, how many of us want to be victorious? We will all raise our hands, but the reality of it is this. Except you understand the potency of righteousness, you will always suffer defeat. Praise God. You will always suffer defeat. Why? Because you would always believe that you have not measured up. Praise God. And so here, Paul is saying that what? Those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will do what? Reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. The essence of righteousness, in other words, the need why you must understand the benefit of righteousness is that God has ordained us to reign in life. Just like when he said in the, in the beginning that God said, let us create man in our own image and let them do what? Have dominion. Dominion, they have command, they have rulership, they have the executive charge over all that concerns humanity. 
praise God. But the moment Adam disobeyed, that dominion right was taken away. But the intentions of God still remain the same. That I intend that we reign. That's why in Revelations, the Bible says that God has redeemed us unto himself to reign as kings and priests on the earth. Praise the Lord. It is God's design that you never suffer defeat. It is God's desire that you are always on top and not beneath. Praise God. Why? Because that was how it was supposed to be from the beginning. Praise God. That was how it was supposed to be from the beginning. And so when we are looking at righteousness here, the man of God said that until a man knows that he is righteousness of God, he will never take advantage of his privileges. He would always live in bondage to the enemy. Praise God. He would always live in bondage to the enemy. You see, this statement here is captured in Luke chapter 15. We all know the story, the story of the prodigal son. Praise God. You see, righteousness is what God, is God's gift to humanity. However, just as a gift is, you have the obligation to receive. Praise God. You have to what? Receive. Haven't you met people that as a result of the bitter past they have had, no matter how much love you give them, they never take it. Praise God. No matter how much care and compassion you show them, they never take it. I remember when I met my wife, then we were dating, and she told me, she said, her mindset growing up with the things that she used to see around her, family members, was that it was by nature that a man should beat the wife. Praise God. And so for that reason, even if I had beaten her, it would have only been normal. Praise God. But the Bible said that what? From the beginning, it was not so. And so you realize that no matter what God will do, you know, last Sunday I shared, I said that, you know, it's almost like a child who the parents have paid the school fees. The parents have done every single thing. But if the child refuses to go to school, that's why you have dropouts. Their parents think they're in school, but they're not in school. Praise God. Why? Because they have refused to accept that gift. And so here we understand that the reason why Paul said that, that righteousness is a gift. However, just as it is, we must be able to receive. And it's in that receiving that we are able to walk in the reality of the finished work of Christ. Praise God. And so you realize that when it comes to receiving, it's no longer about what you think. Praise God. For instance, a lady who has ha had abortion all the years of her life, she has been living promiscuously as you can ever imagine. But yet, when it's time to have children, she's having challenges to co conceive. And the devil begins to say, it is because of those abortions. Praise God. Now you realize that now she's a believer, now she's saved, but she's failing to accept what Christ has done. Why? Because we said that righteousness is what? Standing before God as if you did nothing. Praise God. It's as if you did nothing. Blank canvas. There is nothing against you. That's why Paul was saying that therefore there is what? Now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because when I stand before God, 
God is not seeing me, he sees Jesus. That's why he says, in Christ. Praise God. It's almost like I wear a Spider-Man suit. Praise God. For a child's birthday party. When the child sees, is she seeing or he seeing Spider-Man? Praise God. But the reality of it is, is Jeffrey who's wearing the suit. And so before God, when God sees me, I'm wearing the suit of Christ. Praise God. I'm wearing everything that Christ has obtained for me. And that gives me, that's why you see the Bible said that in Hebrews 4. It says that therefore, because we have a high priest who feels what we have gone through, who has come in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, he died. And he's saying that anybody who believes in the things that I've done, you have that ability to come before the Father boldly. Praise God. That regardless of what the enemy is saying that I did, that is Jeffrey that did it. This is Christ speaking. Praise the Lord. That is why you see, you know, when I was thinking about this sermon, something happened at work. So I needed to call the bank to speak to them. And they could only speak to my boss, who's the director of the company. And so he said, you know what, I don't have time. You know, when they call, just say that you're John speaking. Praise God. Okay? And so I called the bank. I said, hi, this is John speaking. Um, I need to do this. And everything I needed to do, the bank obliged. Why? Because I said, this is John speaking. Praise God. Now, when it comes to Christ, when the Bible says that indeed, whatever you ask the Father in my name, praise God, it is no longer you speaking. You are adopting that image of Christ. And that is why righteousness, he said, it's standing before God as though what? I did nothing. And as a result of that, the Father must give me audience. Praise God. The devil has no legitimate right to accuse me of anything. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so we begin to look at the benefits of righteousness. What do I get to enjoy as a result of this righteousness mentality? Number one is that our standing is restored. Praise God. Our standing is restored. Like I said in Genesis 3 verse 8, it was the nature of the relationship between Adam and God that indeed that they always enjoyed fellowship. There was no beef. There was no issue between the both of them. Nothing could separate them. Adam could just be comfortable that Lord, you know, I mean, everything was seamless. Everything, isn't this funny that it's only when you offend a friend that you start avoiding them. Praise God. Because you don't feel worthy of their companionship any longer. And it's the same thing with God. That as a result of sin, sin by nature separates us from God because he cannot behold iniquity. It's almost like you putting butter next to fire. It has no choice but to melt because it can't stand the heat. And so just as it is, as a result of that sinful nature, when you stand before God, you can't really stay. And that's why Adam went to hide and said, you know what? I have eaten of the fruit you asked me not to do, eat of. Praise God. And so he was separated. But the moment we were made righteous in Christ, the Bible said that what? Our standing was what? Restored. Praise God. Number two is that our fellowship with God was restored. You see, I, I, said, that, I said here and I said, it's a relationship thing. You see, the people you are in relationship with, 
determines the things you lack and the things you don't, you, you don't lack. Praise God. The people you are in relationship with would determine the things you lack and the things you don't lack. Praise God. And so when it says that our fellowship with God was restored, if God is the Jehovah Jireh, you see, an example in scripture, Peter was asked to pay his council tax. And he had no money. But because he was in the company of him, who is the creator of the heavens and the earth, everything had to obey. Praise God. And that is why when you operate in that mentality, that I am righteous before God, I won't lie, when I read this book, it transformed my mindset. Praise God. Because I no longer approached God as whether God will answer me or not. What I did is regardless, is, is inconsequential. Because I'm resting in Christ. I'm, does that give me license to sin? No. Why? Because I understand that if I walk in... You see, you can't walk in the spirit and walk in the flesh. You can't. No matter how you try. You can't have one leg in and one leg out. You can't. And so the more you begin to walk with Christ, the more you, be, you, be, you begin to walk in the spirit, automatically you lose taste for sin. Praise God. Why? Because just the things that delight God just become the things that you take delight in. Praise the Lord. Number three is that our faith is restored. And just as you realize it, Hebrews 11 verse 6 says that what? Anybody that comes before God, the only license that gives you confidence to approach before God must be faith. And that is the confidence which we pray. When you are asking God for something in prayer, today is Father's Day. And the reality of it is, you see, one of the, the beauty of my life, and I'm grateful to God for it, and I take no, I make no mockery of anyone who may not have had a good relationship with their fathers, is that because of how my dad was to me, it gave me an image or a glimpse of what God is to me. To the glory of God, I had the best of fathers. There is nothing till date, at least before he went to be with the Lord, that I asked my father that he said no. So long as he was relevant for my advancement, he never said no. No matter how inconveniencing it was for him to provide it. And the Bible said that indeed, that if you evil men, if you evil men, why was he saying evil? Does he mean that I thought evil towards you? No. But by nature, you are evil. He says, if you evil men know how to give good gifts, he says, how much more will your father in heaven? So when you are praying, Jesus was giving us a template. He says, when you pray, pray our father. You must understand this God that we have as a father. And the only way through which you can understand it is if you comprehend the mystery of righteousness. Praise God. If you are able to comprehend the mystery of righteousness, number four is that our peace is restored. I tell you this, right? No amount of money will equate for peace of mind. Praise God. No amount of money. You see, there was this TV show that my wife used to watch. 
or queen of the south. You know, and they were in the drug business or, or, or whatever it is. And there is no amount of money she wanted that she didn't have. But you see, he didn't buy sleep. That you have a good house does not guarantee sound sleep. Praise God. And so you realize that when Jesus is saying that the peace that I give you is not like the peace this world gives. In John 14, 27, but the peace that I give you, it surpasses all understanding. In other words, when you are going through challenge and by nature you should be panicked and you're at peace, it's a gift. It's a proof that God is with you. That originally you should be panicked and worrying, losing sleep, but yet you are at peace. That's what Christ was showing us when he was with the disciples on the boat. That they were about to sink, but yet he was asleep. That's peace. That's peace. And that's what righteousness obtains for you and I. Number five is that what our freedom is restored. Praise God. The Bible said that what he who the son of man has set free. It is that person is truly free indeed. Praise God. Is truly free indeed. Number six is that what our sonship is given or daughtership. Because nowadays you have to be politically correct. Son is watching me now say, oh, am I being, um, what's it called, a chauvinist? No, when I mean sonship here, it encaptures the entire humanity, both man and woman. Praise God. Hallelujah. You see, our sonship is what giving. Therefore, we are now joint heirs with Christ. In other words, whatever Christ is entitled to, praise God. You see, Jesus was the template of God's idea for humanity. He was that original design of what man should look like. And so when you look at the life of Jesus, everything he enjoyed here on earth is you. Praise God. Everything Jesus did is you and I because that is God's original design. That's the template for humanity. Praise God. And so when the Bible is saying that we are joint heirs with Christ, whatever Christ is entitled to, you are entitled to it. It's not blasphemy. Praise God. It's the law of substitution. Because if for my sake he died, the same glory that he enjoys, I'm entitled to it in equal measure. Praise God. And that is why Paul said that it's a mystery. That the greatest mystery of all is God in you. That an immortal God would take residence in a mortal being. It's incomprehensible. Praise God. So you understand who you truly are in Christ. But the reality of it is that there is a problem. There is a problem. If all these benefits have been listed, have been doing hmm, 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 awesome. But why, what is it that is hindering us from entering it? I say it is what? Sin consciousness. Praise God. Sin consciousness. The Bible said that any sin you, for, you confess, God has forgotten. Praise God. You see, when I began to ponder on this aspect, I began to ask myself, I began to ask the Holy Spirit. So does that mean that if someone is a believer and they sin and they confess it, or is he a license for them to continually sin? 
I began to understand that when it comes to the aspect of righteousness, righteousness is not a state, it's a being. Praise God. So, so long as you are in Christ, praise God. So long as you are in Christ, praise God, that's key. So long as you are in Christ, God will always see you as Christ. Praise God. That's why Paul was saying, what then can separate me from the love of this God? Shall it be angels or tribulations? What can separate me from the love of God? So therefore, just like my son, that there is nothing my son would do. Even if I say I disown him, he's still my son. Because he cannot delete my genes from his body. It's the same thing with us, with God. That so long as we remain in Christ... That is why the message of salvation is so key. The Bible says, how shall we neglect so great a salvation? That's the biggest testimony God has done for the entire humanity. That you will look at a sinful person and say, I no longer judge you on account of your sin, but on the sacrifice my son made for you on the cross of Calvary. That is why today, if you're not saved, you must be saved. It's compulsory because it's the reality that you and I must walk in. That is why when Christ is judging the earth, he's not judging because you lied or whatever it is. The reason for judgment is simple. Did you believe that Jesus died? Yes or no? If you say no, you are going to hell. It's simple. Because how can I, God, sending my most precious gift on the earth for your salvation and yet you reject it? The Bible said that the, 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 how does he put it again? That the, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the chief cornerstone. Praise God. And so he has said that sin consciousness, this is the inferiority complex that is developed as a result of the sin committed, which therefore leads to the works of the flesh. Therefore, you are asking yourself, oh, that means the reason why I cannot even ask God for this amount of money is because last time he gave me money, I squandered it. Praise God. I don't mean that we must be reckless. Praise God. I'm just giving you the nature of God. Praise God. You see, just again, just to give an example. You see, my dad was, that's why I say that, God used him to show me a glimpse of God's heart towards me. My dad was taking me to school someday. And how it is in Nigeria and Africa is that whenever you're taking your child to school, you give them pocket money. Praise God. Okay? And so my dad took me to school on a Sunday or a Saturday. I can't remember. But there was a document that my dad was supposed to bring, which was relevant for my registration. And so he said, you know what? I'll drop you in school and within the week, I'll come back to drop the document. So he gave me my pocket money, enough to last me the entire semester. Praise God. But my dad came to see me on Tuesday. And on that same Tuesday, he still gave me money. And so for some reason, I was, I was shocked. And he asked me, so why are you shocked? I said, because, I mean, logically speaking, I should not give you money because I just gave you money two days ago. And he said, no. So long as I come to see you, I must give you something. Praise God. And so when you are dealing with God, for the fact that you asked yesterday, the Bible said that what? His mercies are new every morning. Every day you see a new morning, you are entitled to a fresh package of mercy. 
Praise God. That is the beauty of this God. That is the heart of this God. So when we are looking at Father's Day, celebrating Father's Day, there is a father who you must always acknowledge. Because he is the greatest of them all. Hallelujah. And so in conclusion, because time will not let me, in conclusion, how then can we cure this sin consciousness for us to walk in the reality of what God has ordained for us? And my answer is simple. The word of God. The word of God. You may have heard it several times, but the reality of it is that's the truth. Because Paul was saying that indeed, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And he says what? And do not be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed. It's a journey. It's a journey that you read Genesis 1 yesterday does not mean you can't read it tomorrow again. Praise God. Because as you daily read the scripture, you are being changed. Your mindset is being tuned. Praise God. All things are being excavated and you are embracing new realities. Praise God. That is why you realize, haven't you seen that all of a sudden there was this TV show I used to watch and I, I had to stop. It, it was called Knuckles. The story of, um, what's his name again? Um, Pablo Escobar. It got so gory that all of a sudden, everything I began to see, I began to see it in the lens of what I watched. Someone is driving, I'm thinking, are they, are, are they about to start shooting? And all of a sudden, you're, you're wondering, but why? You see, I, I have conditioned my mind. Why? Because repetition deepens impression. And so the more I feast on the word of God, by nature, my mind is being adjusted. I don't have to do anything. It's by nature. And so you see that the only way we can embrace the true gift of righteousness, where we are walking in full measure of what Christ obtained for us on the cross of Calvary, where we are entering into rest, is this word of God. There's nothing else. That is why every time you pick your Bible, the prayer is, Holy Spirit, open my eyes. I've said it here over and over again. Paul was praying. I said that ever since I heard of your faith, I do not cease to intercede on behalf of you before God. That what? That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, you may know. There is a knowing that God has obtained for you and I that until we come to the reality of it, the devil would always take advantage of you and I. Can you imagine if I bought this phone for her and I gave it to him? And she has no phone. And she comes to tell me, I said, but Lisa, I bought you a phone and I gave it to Hosanna. Go and collect it. That's how it is with the devil. The devil takes what belongs to us. But until you know that God has given it unto you, you cannot go and say, give me my stuff. That's the reality of our Christian experience. And that is why we must always pray that, Lord, open my eyes to see. Because when I see it, the moment I understand what I have in Christ, the moment I understand what Christ has obtained for me on the cross of Calvary, no devil, no devil. I say it again, no devil. You see, there was a day I was walking to, uh, to the uni a while back. I was just pondering on the word of God. Pondering on the word of God. And, I was, and what I was meditating upon was that God is almighty. And I told myself, I said, God, if the devil ever claims that he did something to me, then you are not the almighty. 
Because the reason why you are the almighty is because all the might, there is nothing left for the devil. He's powerless. There is nothing left for him. So when I say that the devil had his way, it's not that God, it's, it was my fault. Praise God. And that is why we must deliberately pray that, Lord, open my eyes to see. Because I know the moment I behold the wondrous things in your law, only then am I able to enjoy all that you have obtained for me. This is the desire of God for you and I. That we live a victorious and triumphant life. Isn't it funny? If anybody should feel the most condemned, it should be Paul. Because the Bible says what? I persecuted the church. When you read the story of Stephen, he was there when Stephen was being stoned to death. So if he was based on what they had done, why should God give him this degree of revelation? That the greatest revelation in scripture, even churches make it a doctrine, the Pauline revelation. The let Paul's letters to the churches. That the reason why we are teaching this gospel today is what Paul was able to see. And so you see that he understood this righteousness game. That it's no longer based on what I did. It's not based on where I've come from. It is based on what Jesus has done for me. And if anybody wants to embrace that work this morning, why don't you raise your hands even as we pray? Because the reality of it is that until God opens your eyes, you and I will always suffer. And it's not the design of God because even Jesus said it in John 10 verse 10. He said that indeed that, uh, that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I, Jesus, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That is why John was saying that whoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is our victory, even our faith. If your desire is to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior and your personal Savior, this is that time. Because when we understand the relevance of righteousness, only then are we truly able to walk in victory. Therefore, just say this prayer with me. If you're watching us online and that is your desire this morning, why don't you say, Lord Jesus, I ask that you will come into my life today. Forgive me of all my sins. I acknowledge you as a sinner. I acknowledge myself as a sinner. Therefore, Lord, I confess you as my Lord and my personal Savior. Grant me the privilege to walk in the reality of the new creation. In Jesus' mighty name I've prayed. Everlasting Father God in heaven, I commit everyone who has acknowledged you this morning. The Bible says that heaven rejoices when a soul is saved. And therefore, Lord, we thank you. Thanking you, O God in heaven, for this greatest gift of salvation. I ask that, Lord, in the name of Jesus, the enemy will not have his way over their lives in the name of Jesus. But that, Lord, they would walk in the newness of life, giving you glory. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name I have prayed. Father, we just want to bless your name, O God in heaven. Take all the glory, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen.